Hello and welcome to Lit Service, where we're fans of fiction and purveyors of dodgy writing advice. Today's topic is romanticy. I'm Aaliyah, and the most romantic comedy-ish moment of my life was... Okay, so we're going to get deep. So I was friends with this guy for several months, and he was the cutest, the funniest, kindest, smartest guy I knew. So I was head over heels smitten. And he didn't really notice me that way, which was fine, whatever. We'll just be friends, right? Until one day, out of the blue, he turned to me and he basically was like, I'm making this thing I like to make. Um, do you want to come over for dinner? And it was like choirs of angels started singing, you know, like, oh, this was my moment. So I spent so long getting ready, uh, all gussied up right. And I went to his apartment and I knocked on the door and uh, his fiance answered. So uh, there was that. No. Um, moral of the story is if you're asking someone out for dinner, provide some context. And it was just a friend thing, turns out. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> That's really sad, but awesome. An awesome story. My name is Caitlin, and the most romantic comedy-ish moment of my life is, so a long time ago, I was dating this boy, and I had to leave the country for a couple of years, and so we were like, see, I guess we're not going to do this anymore because I'm leaving the country and I won't be talking to you anymore. And so when I got back, um, we were going to the same university, and I had not talked to him in years. And I saw him across the quad and was like, that's that boy I was madly in love with two years ago. And instead of going and talking to him, I turned around and ran to the library <laughs> in the girl's bathroom. And he saw me oh run goodness. away from him and uh, went and tracked down my phone number because the Internet's a thing and he knows people in my family and called me. But I left my phone in a class that day and he went and got it and brought it to my house <laughs> Twist <laughs> ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my name is Stephanie, and the most romantic comedy-ish moment of my life is probably when I was dating this guy, and um, it was our third date, and I, I really liked him, but we hadn't, like, kissed yet, and we finally did, and I, and it was, it was a really good kiss. He was a really good kisser. And I was also like really nervous and I literally forgot to breathe. Oh. And <laughs> so the kiss ended and I, I'm not like literally started seeing stars oh <laughs> because I had forgotten to breathe and I got really dizzy. <laughs> and wow. then I was embarrassed because I didn't want to tell him, like, I forgot to breathe because you're such a good kisser <laughs> and I like you so much. So I was just like, oh, my blood sugar, it's just really low. <laughs> I, I made up this awful because story. That's better, right? <laughs> just like grabbed oh, some dessert. That. But um, yeah, that was, I think I told him eventually. That is so I, cute. But you're supposed I, to see stars, but right? You're supposed that's, to see that stars, is right? You're still supposed to like be able to stand after seeing the stars. I think I had to like grab a piece of portraiture for support. Oh my goodness. That is awesome. Well, that's fun. Those are both fun stories. Uh, listeners, if you have a story you want to share with us, I want to hear more of these personally. So just message us on Instagram or Facebook. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. So today, a huge welcome to Stephanie Garber, the number one New York Times and internationally bestselling author of Once Upon a Broken Heart, The Ballad of Never After, and The Caravel Trilogy. Her books have been translated into 30 languages. Tell us about The Ballad of Never After, Stephanie. So The Ballad of Never After is the sequel to Once Upon a Broken Heart, and this is actually the first time 
that I've been asked to talk about it. So I don't have my pitch memorized <laughs> yet. Um, but Once Upon a Broken Heart is a story about curses and kisses and the lengths that people will go to for their happily ever after. And The Ballad of Never After picks up right where that book took off and my characters are still searching for their happily ever after and willing to go pretty far to get it and cross a lot of lines. I'd say it's a villain love story, has a lot of fairy tale vibes. And I, I like to think of my books as like really pretty and magical and stabby. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. <laughs> that is a really great description because um, I've read both I've read both books in this series and I feel like it's really interesting because so much of romanticy is so focused on the romance but you get really really gritty in there too there's blood and I, I don't think we get to viscera in this one maybe we do but it's it's pretty it's pretty dark sometimes and I love it it's great it's a fun contrast so here's a question that I know you're not going to answer but how many books are in this series <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I, 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 I'm not answering that question because I feel like so often when we know how many books are in a series, it sets up a certain type of expectation. Like if you know it's a duology, you expect the second book to wrap up. If you know it's a trilogy, you don't expect it. If you know it's an ongoing series, you don't expect it either. So I didn't want to set up clear expectations for where this book would go. So I thought it would be fun to just <laughs> not say I love it well that's a great transition let's go ahead and jump into today's discussion which is on romanticy uh Caitlin do you want to give us a description of what we mean by romanticy yes so romanticy is a fantasy-based book it's usually secondary world that has a central plot line that is a romance but maybe Stephanie can give us a little bit more than that because she's the one who writes it so well <gasps> oh I had never heard of the word romance before this podcast. I love it though. I want to use it a lot and add it to my vocabulary. I think of it as, yeah, I think that's a great definition where the romance is definitely the B plot. I, when I'm writing romanticy, I don't plot my romance. I like to kind of be surprised by it. So I, if you've read my books, you'll notice that my main characters always get a lot of potential romantic love interests. So I'm always throwing different guys at my heroine, seeing who she'll connect with. And sometimes she connects with the guy that I hope. And sometimes she doesn't. In my first book, Caraval, the love interest was not who I planned at all. Mm. I did not want this character to be a love interest. I was going to kill him off early, but they just had this oh. connection. So for me, it means that I, I have a plot that I plan out that I, you know, I'm really strategic about and thinking about but then the romance part I I kind of let it grow organically well I think that the best books uh, allow that to happen because I think sometimes in romance you can feel it when things are getting forced because it's been plotted out to happen in a certain way and so I love that you approach it that way so how do you go about building your plot so that romance is easy to incorporate into it so okay so well actually one of the ways I do even though you know, I let my romance be organic in terms of like, okay, what's going to happen? I do try to create a lot of situations that throw my characters together. And what I think are romantic ways, I say this awkwardly now, because I'm realizing the scenes that I plot out. So for like, once upon a broken heart, I... <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I'm kind of embarrassed right now. 
by like what I think of as romantic. I, I think a lot of times it's like getting characters in those physically close situations. So for Once Upon a Broken Heart, I was like, how can I tie a character up? Or can I put my characters in cages? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> what are these situations that like force them to be together? You know, like I love the trope of only one bed, but I'm like, can we take it further? Tie them to the bed. Um, so <laughs> only I one will... cage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> only one. <laughs> so I will think of situations that are like high intensity and also have a degree of like physicalness because I think those situations create great romantic moments because you're also seeing characters, you know, forced into actions that might not be typical or forced into saying things. I really like to involve true serums, love potions, anything like that, that kind of, you know, like I think of it as like alcohol for books, but using magic instead. So that's kind of how I plot the romance rather than being like, this is the moment where they kiss. It's like, oh, this is the moment where they get chained up together and let's see what happens. (laughs) I like that. And I think that's a good way of, you know, kind of the distinction between romanticy and fantasy is the priorities here. I like how you said you have the goal to make this romance, the chemistry just fly, right? And so then you come up with plot elements that force that situation, that force the characters. And with the characters at the center, it's really personality driven. So I think that's, that's great. So I was wondering how, when you were writing, or maybe you don't do this, and this is just me being overanalytical, how do you cue your readers in that the book that they're reading is romanticy? Because if, I don't know, the big resolution is um, people finally getting together and kissing and and making up or kissing and not stabbing each other or kissing in a cage, (laughs) um, it might be disappointing to somebody who's like, but I thought there was going to be a big sword fight or I thought that the world was going to end. Like, how do you cue people into that being one of the major things? Because you do actually have some really great, huge, big world plot things happening. But I do feel like the, the nexus of the story, like the emotional heart of the story is with the characters and whether or not they're going to fall in love and get together in the end because they have such huge barriers between them and we're just waiting for it. So how do you how do you cue your readers into to what kind of book this is going to be? I love this question and thank you for saying that. I'm glad that I do that um, because I think setting up expectations is so important. As a reader, I get very upset if I enter a book and I feel like I'm told it is one thing and then I find out halfway through it is not that thing, especially for romance. Like I am a big romance reader. I'm a big romance lover and I like kind of knowing what I'm in for. So I think one of the ways I do that, like, so for Broken Heart. It starts off very clearly. My main character, Evangeline, is basically going is going to make a deal with an immortal. You know, so she has a deal with the devil situation to save the love of her life. Who she's so desperately in love with him that she believes he's cursed because he's going to marry another. She's like, no way. He loves me, and she's so convinced of this, she's willing to make a deal with this immortal to stop that. So. You know, for me, since her initial goal is like love and for Broken Heart, I mean, her goal is love. Like I wanted to really write a character that was like, she's after her happy ending. She's searching for true love. I thought that was a really fun goal and relatable. So I think in that book, it's clued in pretty obvious. I mean, pretty early, like this is the story. The main character wants love. She's willing to make a lot of compromising decisions to get there. 
And in the Caraval series, I, you know, I kind of have a lot of like makeouts at the beginning of that series. So in Caraval, like my main character is engaged, but um, in like the second chapter, she walks in on her sister making out with a really hot guy. And in the sequel to that book, which is from the sister's perspective, she wakes up, like it starts with her waking up on the forest floor after having made out with a different hot guy. So I just... I, I try to make it clear by being like, here you go. You get these, these characters and showing not just like, oh, they're doing something physical, but describing the characters in a way that's appealing. So, you know, it's not just like, oh, this is a physical act that's happening. It's like, oh, but this guy's attractive. There's going to be romance here. Like, look, I'm already showing you here are characters doing things. So that's kind of how I like to you know, cue it in, I think by giving people a possible love interest right from the get-go, even if it's not, even if it doesn't end up being that love interest, just throwing the possibility of romance right away. So, you know, this is an element in the story. Like I kind of see first chapters as like almost an outline for what your book's going to be. Like I try to throw in a lot of things. Like I always try to mention that there's magic right away, romance right away, give just hints of like, this is what you can expect if you read this book. Yeah. I think sometimes as authors, it can be really tempting to keep your cards close. You want the the ending or, you know, the climax to have a big impact. And so in that case, you might wait for the makeout scene to be, you know, that the end of the second act, you know, right before everything crumbles. But from a reader perspective, it's so much more appealing to know who's talking to you and what they're going to give you before you devote hours of your time. It's a great approach. I love how you, um, How you put that, that you're making promises, you're setting expectations right from the very beginning, which I think you absolutely do in all these books. We um, do first chapter critiques sometimes for people, and I feel like that's something that we don't get to see pan out very often, but we always like speculate about what kind of book it is based on the first chapter that we read. We're like, this is obviously going to be a book about aliens, even though the aliens aren't here yet, or this is going to be a book you can tell based on on the clues that people give. So that's a a great talent and thing to develop as an author. So I have another question, and this is one um, Caitlin wrote down, but I thought about it a lot. So great question. When you're dealing with structurally fantasy type plots, they tend to be very epic and there are world stakes on the table, you know, different fairy courts or other competing forces. And oftentimes literal lives are on the line. How can authors make the romance, the most important thing, make the romance feel like it has heavy stakes attached to it? I think, I think it all has to do with kind of what's going on internally for the character. I think of, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to probably start with a tangent. Did either of you ever watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I didn't. I was the right age too. It is one of my favorite shows. And I love the show so much. And one of the things that it does is it, it, I think is really interesting is like, you know, the first two seasons two, yeah, the first two, maybe three seasons, Buffy's constantly saving the world. You know, there's another demon who's going to take over all these, like it is world stakes all the time. And then when the third season hits, she goes to college and there's an episode where she's saving the world. Like it is the end of the world apocalypse. But what, what is at the forefront of her mind is the fact that she just slept with this guy and he's not calling her back. And that just stuck with me so much because I remember watching it and feeling so sad. And, and I thought it worked so well because it just was so true to her character. Like, oh my gosh, like I've saved the world before. And now this feels bigger. Like I already know I can save the world. 
So I think maybe part of it for me is like staying true to the character and knowing that there are times where you're going to have like, you know, especially in fantasy, like you throw a lot of big things. Like there are, you know, oh my gosh, life and death are on the line a lot. But realizing that even though they might be on the line a lot, sometimes that's not what's the most important thing to the character. And that just because that is what's at stake, emotionally, your character might care more about this relationship, because I think it's really true. I think that sometimes like as someone who's had her heart broken a lot, sometimes like, you know, big things can be happening in life, but I'm more hurt that like, oh my gosh, this guy hasn't called me back, you know? And, and it kind of takes over. So I think it's like, just really like being honest with your story and knowing that sometimes these smaller things are going to matter more than the bigger things. And it's, you know, and I think that's kind of like for me where like the organic part of storytelling comes in because I can plot out to be like, oh my gosh, these big moments are going to happen and it's going to be like life altering. And then you get to them and realize like, oh my gosh, my character is more concerned about the fact that this guy doesn't like her back. Um, Because I think sometimes like those human emotions are more powerful. And also, I just don't think we're capable of constantly being afraid of the world ending. Um, or I'm not capable of it. Like at some point- We've got a, things... a lot of good experience with that lately, haven't Yes, <laughs> exactly. Like other things kind of take over. So I think it's just giving importance and weight to those things and knowing that, you know, sometimes they can feel as important, which- I think is one of the great things about writing young adult characters is that especially when it's like first love or any type of first, it feels almost like the end of the world Um, and it can be just as powerful. So that's kind of how, you know, I was inspired by Buffy and to the idea that it's like, it's okay to make that more powerful. Like, you know, you can have the world crashing down, but it feels like a bigger deal that this person, you know, hasn't returned affection or maybe the world's crashing down, but it doesn't matter because like, he loves you. Like, it's okay. Like in this moment, you know, like I love, like, I spend a lot of time on Pinterest and I always love pictures of like couples kissing and there's like fire going on or, um, cyclones or the world is just crashing down, but it doesn't matter because like they have each other. So I think, I love those moments and I like to try and create those moments and I like to give weight and importance to them. So part of it is just maybe like that. It's my like preference that I'm like, Hey, I like this. That's great. I love it. So I was wondering, especially with this new series, how do you make a romance span a whole series without frustrating your readers? That's a good question. So for the once upon a broken heart series, The series starts with two characters, with actually a lot of characters who have broken hearts. So my main character, Evangeline, as I said before, is going to make a deal with an immortal to save the love of her life, um, to stop him from marrying another. And the immortal she makes a deal with is a character called the Prince of Hearts, who was a villain in my Caraval series. So this is like a spinoff series. Evangeline is new to my world. And I did it that way so that anyone who's new to my books you know, can go into the series without having read Caraval. Um, but if you have read Caraval, you learn, and you also learn in Once Upon a Broken Heart that this character, Jax, is brokenhearted. He would never say it, but he, you know, he is brokenhearted as well. He is reeling from 
a bad relationship. And so in this series, it was easy for me to, I think, give them a slower burn in their relationship because they both have broken hearts. So they're not going to, they're not going to fall for each other right away. They're, they're still dealing from the fallout of their hurt. So I think that was one thing. And then I think also like the other thing is like, have you, have either of you read the book Romancing the Beat? Mm-mm. Okay. I love this book. It's like a small little booklet. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. And it's called Romancing the Beat. And it goes through all the beats of like a romance. The way I looked at it was knowing when I sat down to write this book, um, even though I have not talked about how many books are in this, in the series, I know exactly whether or not it ends with the ballad of never after or continues. And so I broke this book up into however many parts of the story I was writing. So whether it's two, three, four, six, however many, and that's where I like chose to stop each, you know, chose to stop like my first book based on like, okay, this is that fraction of the story. So instead of like that book is written to like write a romance novel or to write like a subplot, but I decided to like, okay, I can't have my characters go through all these beats in the first book. So I think that's part of what can be frustrating is if the characters go through all the romantic beats in the first book, and then you go to another book and have them kind of backtrack, you know, it just, I don't think get in a fight at the beginning of the next book and suddenly they're back to, yeah, I hate that. Yes. (laughs) I don't think it works. I think you have to like constantly have the relationship moving forward. So I like that method. I like, I like the idea of breaking the parts in that book up and using them depending on how many books are in your series. Cool. Cool. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been so fun to talk about this topic with you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun for me too. Listeners, if you are looking to add a little more red to your life, either romance or blood from all the stabbing, go check out Stephanie's books. We have special editions of Once Upon a Broken Heart and The Ballad of Never After which there's room in the design for more books if there are more. It looks nice the way that it is now. We're also really excited to find out if there are more books in the series. But go check them out in our store. There's actually a very limited number available. So if you want one, run fast. And they are gorgeous. If collecting um, special edition books is your thing, this is a set you won't want to miss. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 